next time you're flying over Afghanistan and you're near the Registan Desert, um, you can look up this earth cache and, and you can go... Now, the directions are in Arabic, so you really have to know what you're doing. But you can go to Registan, which is Persian for country of, stan of sand. Country of sand. And you fly over a certain area and you take uh, an earth cache picture. Remember, earth caches are those geocaches which are really just specific directions about a place. It's not something that's left there because they don't want to leave something out in a national park or whatever it is. It is also only a place you can fly over and a place that is highly and heavily guarded by military on both sides. So you have to take a picture of yourself there with your GPS to complete this geocache. And if you do, again, I will send you um, up to $20 gift certificate to the chain restaurant of your choice. And uh, so, get in touch with me there. Geocaching scripture. Geocaching is that rarefied sport hobby of finding these little geocaches, little treasures that you can find on a, especially on a familiar walk. Like if you're familiar with walking through the Afghani desert, um, you can find and they give dimension to your walk again and more of the treasure hunting really than in the finding itself. And I think that's a great metaphor for the way I've looked at scripture. I've, I've been a Christian my whole life pretty much, and I've uh, been in ministry for a long time, went to seminary, and a lot of the paths of scripture got a little over-familiar. But as I drilled down and I found these little treasures of, of cultural situation, language, um, history, these geocaches, it started to give me, help me to see more dimension in that scripture, and to see what God is doing and God is interwoven. And honestly, there is more and more and more every time I look back. And that is geocaching scripture, so let's do it. Okay, so I'm here with a guest, a friend of mine, um, who is a pastor, a father, a scholar, cycling enthusiast and um chicago land it's where i grew up man whatever uh, yeah whatever it is suburbs yeah chicago fan yeah chicago. so you just lost you lost a bunch of listeners by by admitting by letting people know that you know they have to be okay with geography here we're geocaching all right so that has it's to true be done. title his name is Sean Whitworth. He is the pastor of Mission Church in Appleton, which is a uniquely interesting and fiery church that I particularly enjoy that has a great outreach to the homeless in the area and uh, just a great general outreach and has been hard because of COVID and all those other things. But anyway, welcome, Sean. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. You bet. What are you going to talk to us about? Well, I'm going to talk to us about a story that we're all super familiar with, right? The prodigal son, right? It's one that we, we probably start to listen to and we, we kind of fast forward in our brain all the times we've heard the many different stories about the prodigal son. And we kind of, we kind of check out or tune out a little bit. Maybe if we're on a reading program, we get to that point where like, I've read this, I know this, and we kind of move past and we miss the little, little details that might be there. Have you ever been guilty of that? No, I, I have met people who have been though. It's, it's always it's always the other people with the issues, right? Yeah, absolutely. I know. Some um, of them. I'm going to go uh, rebuke them later, but uh, oh, just remind call. me to do that. Yeah. 
But as believers, it's, it's a wonderful story of grace. And it's one that for many of us might even be the story that helps us cross the line of faith. Uh, but then we hear sermons and stories along the way about the other brother. And we start to realize I'm the other brother in this story. And the, the whole time I thought I was the, this brother who's wandered off, but instead I'm the brother who stayed home and I've got a bitter heart about it. And so I'd like us to have a conversation, but start by asking all of us to, to listen with a fresh set of ears as we, as we talk about the story of the prodigal son. Can we agree to do that? Excellent. Yeah, Amen. cool. So let's, let's acknowledge the stuff that we know. Prodigal means wasteful spender, right? Have you ever been impulsive and just purchased something that you kind of regrettably wish you did not purchase at one point? Um, again, I know people who've done that. I have never done it myself. Um, okay. But I, I had a buddy who, who uh, bought the sword from Highlander. Uh, it, was, it, came, <laughs> it came with the whole series, not, not the one from the movie, which was, you know, I think won an Academy Award for best movie of all time. But it, this was the TV series. And, and he eventually returned everything uh, because he regretted his purchase. Um, but he realized how wasteful he was being. So the son approaches the father asking for his inheritance early. And, and we know that in Jesus's day, this was horrific. And, but we also know that for our day, if any of our kids approached and said, hey, I know you're going to die someday and leave me something. Can I just have it now? Right? You would throttle your kid for asking that. And so we, we, we know that that's, a, that's a, like a poor move on this guy's part. But this was not a sheepish, half-hearted request, was it? Luke 15, 12 says, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. Does this sound like an ask or a demand? <laughs> Pretty aggressive. Right. right. He's, he's demanding. And so the, the son's posture is very defiant. And I can almost imagine a cold stare. I can imagine his arms being crossed. I can imagine him being quite emotionless. And this, the son is trying to exert... Uh, his will over the father in this moment, right? By, by making this request that everyone would have scoffed at. And even today we know is, is a terrible request. And this is how many of us were before we came to faith in Christ. We, we had this kind of defiant streak in all of us. And this is how we remain stuck in sin. Even to this day, we're defiant communicating that we know better than God. We know better than scripture. And, and we're just going to do what, feels right. And for the listeners, this kind of request was disgraceful, right? It was shameful. But for some reason, the father gives in to the demands of the son. The father gives in to this demand uh, given by the son of, I, I wish you would just drop dead. And the crowd for sure was grumbling at this point, right? Is there, is this, the, the father grants this request of the son. And we know that he befriends some people who take advantage of his, his inheritance and his meager stake in life. As they it, do. As right? they do. They always show up quickly. Yes. Yeah. When there's a party going on, all of a sudden you've got all kinds of friends showing up. <laughs> and it doesn't take long for the prodigal son to live up to his name, right? The, the title that he's been given of wasteful spender. He squanders his entire inheritance, and, he, and all of a sudden, all his friends are gone. And so out of desperation, he, he does something that's totally out of character for a Jewish man. Instead of swallowing his pride and returning home to the father, 
he swallows his pride and asks for help from a Gentile, right? And this is all parts of the story that we were very familiar with. And this is the parts of the story that, that we, we, we catch and we go, yep, I know that. In, in ancient times, we know that uh, when someone came asking for a handout or a job, the polite way of refusing them was to tell them that they could come and take care of your pigs. Well, mm. for the son, this is, this is not below him. Mm. Verses 17 through 19 says, but when he came to himself in that moment of feeding pigs, says, how many of my father's servants have more than enough bread, but I perish with hunger. I'll arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Mm-hmm. And saying that he came to his senses is this rabbinic way of saying, I've repented. But his repentance isn't complete. It's not full. It's, it's, it's semi-repentance. It's forgiveness light, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. So he's perishing with hunger. I had never heard of it put that way. Um, yes. And uh, and definitely his repentance seems to be a little bit of uh, mm, qualified. Yeah. Hunger is a, is a at that moment, is a, a great uh, move forward for him, right? It's, it's, it's causing him to feel and sense a little bit of remorse. He's got some resolve in that moment. We've all had semi-repentant moments, right? God, get me out of this situation, and I will never fill in the blank. God rescue me. And I promise that I will never Mm -hmm. do this. Mm -hmm. And so we have those moments of semi-repentance, forgiveness light, but notice the language. And this is the part that I I think that we read past a lot. He says, treat me as one of your hired servants. In biblical times, uh, the hired servant, they were independent contractors. They were skilled craftsmen. They were artists. They were paid a wage, they were fed, and they were given shelter. Hired servants did not live under the authority of the landowner like other servants. This is very different. See, the the son wants to return to the father, but he wants to return on his own terms. He wants to maintain his pride. He will ask for his father's forgiveness, but he will not ask for his father's authority. And I think we want God's forgiveness, but we don't want his authority in our life. When we approach God this way, it keeps us stuck in sin. Ask right? for his forgiveness, but not his authority. Now, and that's that that's very potent to me. And I think a very potent in, in a lot of environments I've been in uh, now where the dialogue is, you know, yeah, we'll take your religion as long as it's the forgiving one. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> As long as it requires me not to change or do anything or fork anything over, right? Yeah, yeah, and just completely to be affirmed. If if I'm walking into your religion, I want to totally be affirmed for everything I'm doing, all the time. Yes, and I want it on my terms. <laughs> so the son wants to return on his his own terms. He wants to maintain his pride. And so he wants the father's forgiveness, but he doesn't want his authority. And I I think that's what we want from God. We want God's forgiveness. We want his grace, but we don't want his authority in our life. And this keeps us stuck. It keeps us stuck in sin. It keeps us stuck in our faith. It keeps us stuck. Is is God 
continues to wait for, for us. But in verse 20, we see something miraculous from the father. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. The setting of Jesus' story is, is quite different. Families didn't live in isolated houses. It, uh, they resided in complex wells. In a traditional setting, the son's return would have spread quickly through the community, likely creating a, a, an angry, resentful crowd. Uh, and the father would then wait for the son to come and to repent. Uh, and, and in that moment, the, the father would probably even turn a cold shoulder to the son in some way. And everybody in the community would have expected this. And everybody listening to the story in Jesus' day would, have, would, would not have faulted the father in any way for responding in this way. But Jesus paints a new picture of the father. Compelled by love, the father takes action and rushes to welcome his son. In an unprecedented act of grace and mercy, the father humiliates himself in front of the community. And in the story, the son was willing to let pride destroy their relationship. See, the son didn't have to take the long walk up the road, wondering how his father would respond. Instead, the father runs to meet him, cuts him off. The father was was not the, fa the father in that moment was willing to move. The father was willing to take action, but the son, the son in that moment is overtaken by something that he wasn't expecting, mm. right? We have a father in heaven who runs to us. We have a father who extends us grace, even though we don't deserve it or ask for it. And in seeing the father's act of compassion in this moment, what we see is we, we begin to, to see this, the son who's moved to repent. See, the son changes his speech. If you remember, the son had terms for coming back. He wanted to come back as a hired hand. And this, as we read it, we, we think, man, this, this, he's kind of taken a lowly position, but it, it wasn't. But the son changes his speech. In verse 21, it says, And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And that's it, period. He drops his terms. The son dropped the, the part about being a hired servant. The son is ambushed and surprised by his father's move of, of grace. You see, the, the undignified reaction of the father over the son's return causes an unexpected change of heart as the son drops the terms that he had come in with. Mm -hmm. Seeing the father's actions... The son is led to a place of brokenness, a place that his heart was not in before. And it's in this state of brokenness that the son drops the terms that he had. He repents for what he had done. Right? When it, it, no longer is it forgiveness light. Right? It, instead, it's, it's coming in and saying, God, I, I, I've, I've sinned against you. And he just waits for how the father is going to respond. And we know the rest of that story. He's, he's fully restored. Right? He's given more than, than what he could have imagined in that moment. He's given the robe. He's given the ring. He's given the, the party with his friends in the fattened calf. And so the question for us to wrestle with is, what terms do we need to drop in our life? What, what have we come to God with you know, in terms of grace where we are trying to demand our way, where do we need to just drop the terms and, and seek God's grace and forgiveness fully? Mm. 
it's interesting to me too to think of um the father the father takes essentially takes the initial initial move in that sort of standoff um he's the first one to move which is interesting i mean i've been in these situations where you know like so and so offended me or i offended them or whatever they offended me and if they offended me i wait for them to make the first move right that's that's always you know they can and then what do i do I give them the cold shoulder so they feel bad about what they've done because I want to make sure that that they experience some amount of grief or remorse for what they've done, mm-hmm. right? Because that's the human side of it. I want you to hurt a little bit because I hurt a little bit in this moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And no one is hurt more than the, our Heavenly Father, and yet he runs to us. It's unprecedented. Mm-hmm. And it's, un, it's undignified. To think of to think of the father running in this way, to think of the Lord of the land uh, moving, ma- having this kind of movement toward the sun, yet he he does it, and it's mm-hmm. his movement toward the sun that causes a change in the sun. Mm-hmm. 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 Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. I like that. I appreciate that. I've 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 preached my way through that story a few different times. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> missed some stuff. That's what geocaching is about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think just having that fresh perspective of of repentance uh, can can be exactly what we need to to interact with God's word in in new and fresh ways and different ways. Because as we know from any training we've had, is, is the truth is always the same. How we how we apply it to our lives changes depending on where we're at in life. Absolutely. I've, I've got some visitors. You've got visitors? How exciting. Yeah. yeah. So I should probably see what they want real quick. Okay. Do you have a minute to do that? Go, 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 go. Yep. Okay. They're sort of trying to find shelter. Oh, okay. All right. So at some point, will you play the the uh, the eighteen minute song during this from from Keith Green about the prodigal son? Absolutely, I think that would be absolutely yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it as background with you talking. Yeah, it'll just be yeah. you know. Well, thank you, Sean, and thank you for for giving us insight into a pretty familiar pathway in Scripture. Um, want to give you guys a couple of things. First of all, subscribe kickstart flip twist snapchat whatever you do to share this with your friends because you know geocaching scripture it's i mean who wouldn't want to listen to that so get it out there share it around subscribe on uh itunes spotify wherever fine free podcasts are sold and uh you can be geocaching all the time so there you go also want to put in a plug for clear hits radio clearhitsgb.com that is my buddy caleb's radio station it is the best in christian hip-hop it's extremely well put together and he's trying to get it off the ground and geocaching shows up on there being advertised for and i'm and i'm absolutely flattered so sean would you leave us with one last thing we can think about this week as we reflect on the prodigal son and hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, the son, the prodigal son in this case is ambushed by the undignified reaction of the father. It, it, he's moved to this place of wanting to run to the son. He doesn't want him to experience any more anguish, any more hurt and heartache. And I believe that our heavenly father wants that for us as well. It, it, it should elicit 
an unexpected change of heart on our part. It should cause us to drop whatever terms we think that we're bringing to the to, the, to our relationship, and to our faith. And so my encouragement would be, what terms do you need to drop in your life? What, what terms do you need to let go of in order to fully experience the wonder and beauty of God's grace to us? I couldn't say anything better than that. That's fantastic. Thank you, sir. And thank, thank you for the opportunity, and thank you for what you're doing. Amen. We'll have you on again right soon and hopefully be turn returning to church again maskless hugging all those things yes yes <laughs> fully fully engaged it would be nice that'd be and wonderful more. that'd be wonderful well thanks for listening guys tax humana cheers god bless